and welcome to episode 156 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through the musical world. Uh, as always, I'm your host, my name is Tim Burtbeck, still coming to you from lockdown as the world is still fucked, um, but I am starting to venture out a little bit more, I'm hoping to see some friends in the in the coming weeks, so getting incredibly excited about that, which is which is ace, so it means I'm going to get rid of this cabin fever I've been feeling for the past four months. Um, as I do at the top of every show, just want to say a massive thank you for everyone who checked out last week's episode with uh, Kate Flynn from The Winter Passing. Also want to say happy belated birthday to Kate, who celebrated on Sunday Just Gone, uh, if you're listening to this on the day of release. Um but yeah, that was a really fun, fun episode and I hope everyone enjoyed it, everyone who checked it out. Um, a reminder that whether this is the first time you're listening to the show or this 156th time you're listening to the show, please subscribe, rate, review on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to us on. We would really, really appreciate that. Also, uh, if you want to support the show further in any shape or form, you can do so by visiting our Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash just an insight podcast. Um, right, that's all my little plugs out the way. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone here in the UK are wearing their masks when they go out to the shops and stuff now, which has become mandatory as of last Friday. Um, but yeah, just wanted to kind of take a quick note before we get into this week's guest to talk about some some releases that came out on Friday just past. Um, three incredible hardcore releases, in, to be precise. Um, they are... Impenetrable Cerebral Fortress by Gulch, uh, A Truth We Still Believe by uh, Eco Strike, and Sleep Deprivation by Mortality Rate. Now, the reason I want to bring these up because they're not only are they three killer records, but they're three absolutely different styles of hardcore. And I wanted to pick that up because it just shows how diverse the genre is at the moment, and that we can have these three releases that all come out on the same day, but offer up something completely different for for listeners. And yeah, I don't know. It's just an exciting time for, for hardcore at the moment. And we may not be having live shows, which is a massive part of that. Um, and I, for one, am m- massively missing out on that because this weekend just gone, I was meant to be in Roxani in the Czech Republic for my annual trip to Fluff Fest, which was, was a bit heartbreaking, but like to get these these records it shows that bands are still doing really really cool stuff at the moment and that's something to be excited about so yeah if you haven't heard any of those records please go check them out um i know particularly that gulch record a lot of people are excited about it and i think uh close casting get activities who put that record out uh i think they sold over like nearly 1500 copies already like within a couple of hours sort of thing so that's pretty fucking impressive for a hardcore band anyway but yeah just kind of wanted to mention that um anyway let's get into this week's guest and we're kind of sticking on the hardcore theme as i'm joined by vocalist by a uh, hardcore straight edge band year of the knife uh tyler mullen um during the conversation we discuss uh how tyler's the youngest of six and how kind of his older brothers kind of helped shape his musical introduction and how sort of skateboarding and music formed his early years um we discuss how all the members of YOTK have kind of 
dealt with family members or close friends dealing going through addiction and how that's kind of shaped them being a straight edge band um and we also talk about how despite the band being uh, of aggressive nature that tyler has always wanted his his lyrics to be sort of clearly heard and have a clarity to them when he's sort of uh, screaming his, his lungs out, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, Year of the Knife's new record, uh, Internal Incarceration, comes out on August 7th on Pure Noise Records. I've been lucky enough to hear it. It is fucking killer. So get super, super hyped about that when it comes out. But for now, please enjoy my chat that I have with Tyler, and I'll see you on the, on the other side. So joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is vocalist from Year of the Knife, Tyler Mullen. Tyler, thank you very much for, for taking some time out of your day to have a little chat with me. Um, how's everything in your world? How's, how's I guess, your, your lockdown and stuff at the moment? Uh, things are getting, they're getting better. The past week's been a little hectic, but uh, yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting back to myself for sure. So things are becoming a little bit more still again. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I know, I'm doing good. I'm getting there and just enjoying the summer, swimming, stuff like that. So, because whereabouts are you, are you based in in Delaware? Uh, so I'm in a town called Newark, and it's north. It's about it's northwest, northwest okay. Delaware, and it's five minutes from the border of Maryland, state of Maryland, and five minutes uh, from the state uh, from the border of pennsylvania as well so it's okay very, yeah that's pretty cool so so you like don't want to sort of dwell on it too much but obviously in terms of like stuff that's been going on with with sort of coronavirus and, and stuff like that what have you kind of been doing to sort of keep yourself occupied and keep yourself busy um well when it first like started i, I guess we all we all went under it to what and like around like february march yeah so yeah everything went into lockdown um i don't know i, I read a lot i was reading uh i was reading a, a biography on the singer ministry the dude's nuts <laughs> <laughs> love ministry cool. um but yeah i was reading um a lot of my routine would be like i'd wake up uh get some breakfast you know and then my whole backyard is a trail with woods and i know i would just walk back there and kind of oh that's cool yeah it's really cool and then i would just go on drives man and then eventually through time i found like a side job and you know i made some cash here and there and then uh but like in between those like just anything that would kind of stimulate my mind i'd do anything that was yeah yeah artistic or you know working on a zine and right now or writing I, I write a lot i write a lot of lyrics and just poetry and stuff like that in general so yeah well as i say we'll get into the the more interesting side of things and the, the music stuff so sure. how i always used to like to start these is to to ask my guests like what kind of got you into alternative music what was your kind of exposure of alternative music when you were younger uh well my family had a, an impact on me for sure uh, my mom, she, you know, I'd be in the car with my mom all the time or in the house and like, she'd just be jamming, 
anything really she would be like listening to like selena or bob marley or like patsy klein or anything like that yeah. my brothers were the ones who um got me into like punk alternative and then you know each brother had a different taste and you know my one brother brett he was into like crust and death metal and like just boy punk all this crazy shit and then uh getting all that um you kind of just see the genres like trickle down you know what i mean and then I yeah or and uh i used to ride my bike to a record shop called burt's in newark delaware and here and uh, it's not here anymore it's gone but Probably like the mid 2000s, that's when I started getting heavy into music. Headbangers Ball was on TV. You know, I would just buy CDs all the time. Mm. School, I would I would take them, ride on the school bus, go to school, and like, I think just created such a. Yeah, man, that was my world. You know what I mean? <laughs> here I am now. <laughs> so, so are your brother's older? Yeah, I'm the youngest of six. Oh, wow. Yeah, my brother Ryan, he was the oldest. Well, it was Tracy, Ryan, Hope, Brandon, Brett, and then me. So, um, yeah, they're older. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that's cool. But, like, so in, in that case, like, apart from just kind of listening to music, like, are you quite a musical family or is it just sort of something that music's always been part of your family? It seems that way. Yeah. It's, um, instrumental wise though like it my brother uh yeah my brother brian played guitar in a band called stealing december they were like alternative brandon played drums guitar and then brett played guitar too sometimes but like they never really took it as far as i got like you know i just stuck with drums ever since i was 11 years old and then yeah you know so forth so yeah so everybody's musically inclined so then like in terms of like getting into like your brother's showing you the punk side of things were there like any specific bands that you can remember like really sort of being drawn to at all yeah um misfits uh the germs and uh who else like there's a band that really like just just rocked my world with a band called disrupt yeah cross punk band it was like the first exposure I had to like economical like problems and shit and just uh, veganism and just just the evils of the world like disrupt kind of <laughs> yeah. opening my world to everything. Them and uh, I mean who else like bigger more mainstream stuff like Branted and um oh, man I can't adolescence stuff like that you know yeah so was it just like I not necessarily like your brother's influence, but like, were you always kind of inclined more to that aggressive sort of like political sounding music stuff? Or was it because your brothers were putting you onto those bands that that kind of grew? I think it was a little bit both. I don't think I get, I don't think I understood the, uh, the political side to it until, you know, until like I got a little older, but, I did always have a thing with authority where I just mm. always just hated authority. And like, it was always just against, you know what I mean? Like something always had to have justice, you know what I mean? So, um, 
but I, I sorry to answer your question. Yeah, I think it's it was mainly more like just the harder musical side, like that my brothers were showing me that I could just adapt with like heavy, crazy music, you know. Hmm. And then the message. And then- and then in terms of like your own self-discovery, as you say, sort of like going along to the record store and picking up CDs and, and things like that, like what were the first bands that you would say were kind of your bands, the ones that you discovered like off your own back and of your own accord? Mm. Damn. Oh, that's really good. Here, hold on. Because I still have my CDs with me. But... So a lot of it, I ended up buying, around the time I was buying records or CDs, I would say I was more into like the metalcore side of things by that time. Right. But I'd buy a lot of stuff from like, when Ferret Records was around, um, Victory Records was around. Um, and, you know, a band that could come off the top of my head, probably like Martyr AD, uh, as LA dying my shit was like all over the place uh avail which is weird avail was like a punk band from richmond virginia this weird stuff man like <laughs> all over the place comeback kid comeback kid was one of the first bands that got me in the hardcore the record called turn it around yeah i think uh, like because if don't mind me asking how old are you I'm 28 now. Yeah, yeah. So you're roughly around the same age as me. So like yeah. that was the same. Like that record was very much one that put me onto like the hardcore sound and and what that was all about, sort of thing. Yeah, them and uh, Terror. You know, uh, Terror. Yeah, yeah. First CDs I ever bought that was hardcore and was uh, one with the underdogs. And fucking crazy how things work out, man. So <laughs> yeah. it's really cool. So. Lamb of God. So, yeah. So then in terms of you kind of like exploring music a bit further and, and wanting to sort of play, like you've mentioned playing drums and things. So like, did, was it something that you always kind of wanted to do, like play music or and was it drums that you were always drawn to in the first instance or did you dabble with anything else before you kind of sat on drums kind of thing? Um... I think I was just attracted to like, I don't know. I don't, I guess I'll never know really. I was just (laughs) like crazy energy and like going fast and like, you know, just anything that was like towards skateboarding or like anything that could like mimic that, like just crazy loud, fast music, you know? And Mm. then you see a drum set in like a store window and you're like, I want that, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it went, I went insane, man. So yeah, I think it was that. So like you mentioned skateboarding as well. Like I saw when you were walking through your house, you've got some like boards and stuff up on your wall. So is, is skateboarding another sort of big part of your life and stuff? Yeah, it is. Um, I still suck, dude. Like, but <laughs> my mom, pretty much my whole life, uh, it was, um, it was my like form of transportation, but also like a way of exerting, you know, just like always trying to learn something. But uh, the skate shop, I hang out at a skate shop called Switch, and those guys have been my friends for a very, very long time. So, 
you know, it's always, it's always been a part of me for sure. Hmm. But yeah, I, like this, and that's be York on a. That's sick. That's yeah. so cool. That's cool, man. And then I got a, I got a couple things around here too. I got um a bunch of cruisers and stuff, but there are some decks that haven't been hung up yet. Yeah. So. But like, what was it that kind of drew you to? Was it like the like the culture of skateboarding that kind of like drew you to it, or was it just like friends and stuff were were picking up boards and you you sort of joined in? I, I think it was my brothers. My brother Brett, he was skating. I didn't have any friends uh, yet, and then it, it just yeah, like I said, I, I I saw him do that, and we were all just like we were all just wild kids, like wild brothers, and like just rebels trying to you know what i mean just go crazy and mm. super fast and shit so yeah. <laughs> and then in terms of you actually like playing music as you mentioned sort of like getting into drums and stuff so like but did you kind of have the idea of like wanting to start bands and play in bands or was it at the beginning was it just a, a means to sort of i don't know get some form of creativity out and as you say, sort of playing fast and hitting something kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, well, at first, like getting into music and buying CDs, I guess I didn't really develop the concept of what a band was, mm. you know? And then like, I had a friend, Brandon at the time who lived up the street from me. And, uh, he, me and him got together and played and I was like, Oh, this is really sick. Like he played guitar and like, um, and then getting into art and all that you start to see the creativity side of it and you're like oh shit like this is how this works so i i don't know how to answer that question but yeah i guess i don't know i guess i just fell into an instrument first and then realized oh i could start a band with this you know what i mean yeah and were there any sort of like particular drummers that you like took influence from or like inspired you or was it just a case of again like you just wanted to play the instrument oh yeah through time i eventually found influences uh like uh chris adler from lamb of god and uh one of the first people was um brand taylor who was the drummer he's the drummer of mastodon oh yeah yeah and uh i forget his name the drummer of uh, misery signals uh morgan his last name's morgan Dude, he, yeah, those so those those drummers like in like Abe Cunningham from Deftones like created this like this I don't know man I just understood rhythm and like chaotic formulas from them so <laughs> yeah and then so in terms of kind of you actually like playing and as you say sort of discovering that you could do bands and and things like that like what were the the early bands that you were were playing in what kind of sort of sound were they Mm. Uh, they're probably just like wanna be. They're like kind of like just metalcore stuff. Like yeah, uh, no structure, like nothing. Just like tear. Uh, I think at the time, one of the first things that I ever did was like a couple of my friends were crazy about Dillinger skate plan at the time. So, just i knew you know what i mean i knew nothing about like time measures or anything like that and that stuff is like pure math yeah so, yeah it's just chaos like it really is and i think one of the first bands i 
joined this band called it was called Arbuckle. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Arbuckle. But uh yeah, there it was definitely like in the vein of uh like Dillinger Escape Plan. Mm. So, yeah. And before we kind of go on a little bit further, like in terms of you sort of growing up in sort of like the Delaware area and, and things like that, like was there kind of like much of a, a music scene? Like, were you going to local shows? Like, what was your kind of exposure to that world? Oh yeah, big time. There's a uh, probably from like the early two thousands to you know two thousand fifteen, two thousand whatever. It's like we had a uh, Delaware had a really really strong music scene, and it brought a lot of touring bands through there. Uh, technically, Wilmington, Delaware. There's this venue called right. the Harm. Harmony Grange and it was just the Grange and uh, this guy Harry and uh, and uh, and Lisa she you know they used to book shows and they just brought all types of shit around and um, that's mainly I met a lot of my friends there you know and MySpace was huge at the time so like it was so easy to network and like just meet, each, meet people and get into music so um yeah, growing up, I went to a lot of shows growing up. I was very, very fortunate to be in this area because there's mm. Philly, Maryland. So you can go wherever in like a matter of 45 to an hour, you know. Mm. And was there like any shows that you can like particularly remember that stand out to you, like specifically where you saw something and, and you thought that that was attainable and you thought like, oh, if these guys are making a band and like it's definitely something that I could do. Yeah. Um, no, I think it was just over time. It was like a, a, it was just the amount of shows that I went to more than just one. Um, there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of shows that I went to, but I don't think one of them really like inspired me as, as of the moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just saw for all of it for what it was. Uh, it's yeah, an odd answer. <laughs> That's cool. But then, like, in terms of, as you say, like the starting out, kind of doing like the the metalcore kind of bands. Like, what was the? I guess for you, like your first band of real note, where I guess you were maybe playing shows a bit regularly and doing out of town stuff. Was there a band like that at all? Yeah, there's a um. The first like legit band writing music, this band called The Crowds and Deer, and it was mm-hmm. just really like, uh, yeah, uh, we started, we played like maybe two or three shows, and then it kind of just fell apart. And, um, but I would say that was before I started touring, you know, so yeah, but, yeah. And who do you, because obviously people know, know you now for being in the knife, but like, had you done much touring and stuff before that band? Yes. Yeah. There's a band called uh, Cut Short. And this was probably the era from like 2008 to 2012. Hmm. And Cut Short was like in the vein of, uh, it was like, it was this hardcore, you know? So it was around the time bands like Bridge Nine bands were big and, locking out stuff and uh you know bands like ceremony or more of like that power violence era right and um yeah we you know i did some of my first tours with cut short and 
that was a Delaware, that was a Delaware hardcore band, you know. Mm. And were you, were you playing drums in that band? I was, yeah, I was playing drums. Yeah. So, like, what was your sort of, I guess, like, what what was your kind of first touring experience like? Because I think it's something I always find interesting is whether people have any kind of expectations or kind of preconceptions of what they think tour is going to be like before they kind of hit the road so like did it kind of meet any expectations that you had like what and did you kind of enjoy your first touring experience or was it a bit of an eye-opener it was it was an eye-opener for sure going on going on tour like around the time you're 17 you're like yeah we're just gonna go you know i just you don't really you're not really uh like you're not ready for a lot of things and you're just like oh shit like the show's over where are we gonna stay <laughs> you're just like <laughs> causes all this anxiety and you end up sleeping in vans and um through time I, I i just realized like none of that matters you know it's just it's just adventure that's all it is mm. yeah and were there kind of any shows that maybe not necessarily on that that very first tour but like were there any shows that you played in the, in those early days that you can kind of remember where you sort of like settled in and were like, oh no, this is what I want to do. Like, this is what I want to pursue sort of thing. Yeah. Um, um, not a single show, I feel like. I mean, but like going back, sorry, um, I'm trying to answer it. Like probably going on tour our first tour was with expire and this was when expire was starting. Right. And we were doing the, it was the cut short expire tour and we were doing it. And, um, I don't know. I think around that time, like I can't remember. I just, I just feel like that's when I started to get to, I was exposed to touring and then I, I, I saw, uh, I saw it for what it was, you know? Mm. Yeah you could do something with this. Like, you know, you could do drums for the rest of your life. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, in terms of, of that then, like, as I've mentioned before, we now know you as, as the vocalist of Year of the Knife. So like, what was the, where did the change up come from in terms of stepping away from being the person essentially at the back of the stage to now being the person at the front of the stage? Uh, I mean, there was just like some disagreements with the lineup and, and, um, it just it wasn't working out, and then through time, I was like, I don't know, I'll do vocals. Like, I got shit to say. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I got a lot of anger. Like, and you know, I just you stepped in there, and then we found we found Andy, who was like, I think nineteen at the time, eighteen, yeah, eighteen, nineteen at the time. And then we got his, you know, his twin brother, Aaron, and he joined too on guitar. But yeah. And I, I, I miss drums, but, like, I still have a hand in it sometimes. Like, when we write music, I will, you know, like, yo, I got this idea. Or, like, I'll have, like, a yeah. vocal structure idea that uh, will complement drums or anything like that, you know. So my mind is still always working as a drummer when I'm a vocalist. That's crazy. Mm. Yeah. But so I guess like you're in the knife is is it the first time you've ever sort of taken that plunge and and done vocals? Yeah, like this intensive for sure. 
I had a band before this called Uzi Kids, and it was just like a uh, like a joke kind of like uh, straight edge militant straight edge band. But we right, would just okay. write, we would just write about insane funny shit, and it was just a party every show. And so getting getting to getting to do vocals doing that, it was just chaos. Like I knew nothing about breath control and like technique and like saving your energy until doing vocals with you're the knife and touring extensively all the time like you learn for sure (laughs) (laughs) well we'll stick with that just for the minute but i want to come back to the straight edge thing in a moment but in terms of like you developing like vocal technique and sort of like your style like i think now like your vocals are very recognizable like if you whack on a view of the knife track like as well as the musicianship like you but your voice you instantly know that it's your band sort of thing so like how did you kind of develop your technique and kind of learn how to use your voice because you do have such a distinctive sort of scream to to you that it's like it's heavy but it's still like distinguishable if that makes sense like you can still work out what you're saying so is that something you've had to learn over time yeah um i i've always been like conscious of what i wanted and what i feel like people would want to hear and i always found um i've always found that uh speaking clearly is like enunciating your words is very important so yeah when when you scream and enunciate your words, you, you emphasize like syllables and stuff like that. That can that can bring your uh, your natural voice out. You know what I mean? So bringing your natural voice out, it's everyone's got their own voice. Like everyone can everyone can tell who is who in a dark room by the sound of their voice. You know. So mm. I, I think a lot of that came from just wanting to scream but making sure your words are heard because i'd like to write lyrically uh like socially conscious stuff you know what i mean like anything that has anything to do with a mental illness or just you know struggle anything Mm. sorry yeah (laughs) i feel like i went on a tangent there i don't know no 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 that's cool man it's cool um i do want to kind of pick up pick up that up in a minute but i just want to go back and talk about sort of straight edge for for a little minute because you've mentioned the the kind of middle and joking band there but so i always find it interesting when people who who are straight edge like how they kind of were exposed to it and why they decided to follow that path so when did you kind of become aware of what straight edge was and what drew you to following that path um i think around the time i was 15 16 uh i had all all my whole family was like you know very uh struggle with substance abuse and uh, a lot of really heavy drugs and i lost lost family members and and through that time lived my the way my life was at home and it was just like music was the only thing i could like connect with and um, through time, I found what straight edge was through hardcore, and I was like, "Damn!" Like I actually feel a part of something. Like I, I don't feel alone in the world for once, you know. Mm. And 
I, I just saw it for what it was and I, I, um, I don't know. It just, it, it, I, I loved it so much that it, it helped me discover that I'm more of like a, a moral, a morally driven person. And I take things, I can take these things serious with integrity and like it, it makes me feel good about myself. You know, there's, there's pride in it. So it's, but uh, it's, I think it all just stemmed from my family and then me wanting to better myself and, and help people along the way. So, yeah. Hmm. And in terms of like discovering it, as you say, sort of like discovering it through hardcore, like for myself, cause I'm like, I'm straight edge as well. Like nice. I kind of, the boy, the band that I was driven to and kind of drawn to that really kind of resonated with me, I think with a lot of people my age was Half Heart. Nice. Yeah. So, so was there a specific band that you like kind of drawn to on the, on the straight edge side of things, or was it just kind of more the overarching kind of idea and ethos sort of thing? I think it was like the overall, all, any band I could like find, uh, probably the first band I ever found was, was Carry On. Yeah, you know, and a, a lifeless plague and stuff like that. So, that was the, probably the first band I, I was exposed to Straight Edge from. And but, yeah, man. And like, in t- just in terms of like, Year of the Knife, obviously, like where you're, you are a Straight Edge band, but you're not a Straight Edge band that necessarily, like, rams it down people's throats. As if, if so far to say, like, yeah. it's still a, a topic that you you discuss, but it's not like all over the shop, if that makes sense. So was that a, co- a conscious thing for, for you guys? Like, yes, it is a matter that we want to discuss, but we're not going to exclude people that don't want to hear it, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, I'm always, yeah, I'll, I'll always talk about it. We'll always talk about it. We all, we're all, we all come from, sorry, we all come from like a struggle with family, you know, a family member that has uh, substance abuse and you know mm. that's why we all gravitated towards towards each other and um being being a straight edge band there there are different ways you can approach to write about things it doesn't have to be an x on my hand it doesn't have to be like you're either straight edge or you're not like just some sort of militancy to it there there are other socially conscious things you can talk about of the reason why you are straight edge or um and, and I, I think that's why that's what year of the knife does is kind of talking that talking about things that are stemmed from these problems that have made you the person you are if you get mm. what I mean. yeah yeah and obviously feel free to to tell me to move on if you don't want to discuss this but just in terms of like being surrounded by family that sort of had issues with with substance abuse and you deciding to kind of follow a cleaner path so to say like I don't want to say that you like wanted to hammer the issue of your lifestyle down their throats because that's not I don't think that's anybody's kind of prerogative but like was it difficult for you to see that side of things when you'd chosen to take the opposite if that makes sense uh are you, are you asking like was it is it difficult to see people be more like militant about it 
Is that what you mean? No, no, no. Just like because you'd kind of taken a clean stance, had you, was it difficult to not kind of push your values on your family when you know that they're going through a struggle? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it was definitely difficult because uh, as of the past couple of years, I've learned that it was all ignorance. You know what I mean? And people have people are sick. I mean, like, and growing up as a teenager, you just don't understand. Like sometimes, like, um that it's no it's addiction just becomes like no longer this like person it's just like this demon that carries like you know is with them it's there's just mm. two types of people sorry I'm, I'm getting off track but like uh it, it yeah it was it was difficult for me to like not be crazy high strong about it you know what i mean like yeah i I took it so serious um and i would never like go around and like shame people i would just be like you know crack a joke or some stupid stuff like that but like um as of recently in the past couple years it's like now like i i'm using this to like be a better person and a positive person to help people who are struggling Mm. with anything you know and I've lost a lot of people along the way. So it, I guess it, it definitely taught me that through grief, you know? Hmm. Yeah. And then if we kind of focus a bit more on, on year of the knife, like, as you mentioned, sort of having sort of member changes and you stepping away from, from the drums to then go on to vocals sort of thing. Like, I don't know. Cause I think that was kind of when people, well, especially maybe over here, would start to kind of pick up on, on you guys and, and things like that. But like, when did you guys start to feel kind of like a momentum change and that people just, I guess, outside of your close knit circle were starting to pay attention to the band and sort of give note of the band. Um, I'd have to say when, when knock loose took us out on tour, um, they really helped us out a lot. And, and we did, yeah. um, we started, we did a weekend with them and it was just like Ohio and, somewhere else two other dates and then we eventually toured with them and it was with jesus peace terror and um forget who else and that was our first tour our first big tour and so that's when i started to see like yeah we would make an impact we'd have like two or three people sent along the show and then the next tour it get it got better and better and better and then we would start to play local shows at home and then like you know we dropped uh ultimate aggression and that's you know when we started to see like dog piles you know what i mean so yeah yeah um, and um just in terms of like i guess the the band in its infancy like we know the band now for being this like super heavy hardcore band but as you say like with a sort of a social voice that's kind of talking about all these variations of, of different issues that are going on in the world. But like when you started the band, what was the kind of focus? Like, what did you kind of have in mind of what the band wanted to sound like? What, and what the drive behind it was? Uh, when we first started, it was pretty just like slower and heavier, like darker stuff. Um, more like in disembodied, disembodied vibes. And uh, as it changed, we just wanted to be more straightforward hardcore and like more kickback stuff and like European, like 
8,000 hardcore kind of stuff and uh, cold as life and mad ball, traditional hardcore, you know, mm. that we started to develop that, you know, in the past two years. And then the, I feel like that is the band as the whole, that's what we were influenced by. But then I started to realize like, yeah, I could like the stuff that I write about it is very relatable with the rest of the world. And a lot of kids could confide in that and of what my struggles and my problems, you know? So hmm. I started to realize that it, it, it is very, very impactful when people start to tell you that, you know, this song helps me a lot. You know what I mean? Hmm. So, yeah. And then in terms of like your kind of writing, as you said, like very early on in this chat that you, you do a lot of writing and stuff like that. But in terms of you kind of going on to, to vocals, had you kind of written anything prior to that? Or was that kind of what kind of kickstarted you into sort of writing, if that makes sense? I've, I've, uh, I've always written as a kid, like since I was a teenager. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was like I was always just into like poetry and just something that's like clever like clever things like I literature and like just writing I don't know I don't know what really gave me what got me into that it's just like a part of me you know yeah that's cool I feel like when you have problems it's like I found a way that helped me by just writing it out journal hmm. you know diary or whatever so I, maybe it started from that so like then in terms of that like changing that into to to be lyrics was that quite an easy transition for you or did you find it hard to kind of compartmentalize and sort of take apart your own work so to say to make it fit a song yeah um it got harder it got more challenging once we started writing songs and then uh the structure the structure side to it was like damn all right this is a whole another world that i have to worry about now like i gotta i gotta mm. you know so the, the writing the lyrics is it just comes you know it just flows out mm. the structure side of it like once you got to write to the song there's the challenge so. yeah. yeah is it is that how you guys write then is it like kind of the music comes first and then you come in with how you sort of want to place your vocals over it and things like that. Yeah, it is. Mm. If I have any ideas vocally, you know, I'll say it to them and I'm like, yo, what if we cut a break here and put words here instead of here, you know? So yeah, it's mainly always the song and the demos mm. sent, and then I'll just, I'll just drive around and listen to them forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. And then, because I've completely forgot what way round the two EPs came out now before you kind of amalgamated them. So, but I could, I always remember like the first, the first EP that you released obviously had the YOTK track on it, which is essentially just like you doing like a, uh, an old school, old school kind of like mosh call kind of thing to it. And yeah. it's still something that like, whenever like I've seen you live and stuff is something that still makes a room go wild kind of thing. So, and I don't know, like it's, it might just be my perception from the outside, but it's almost like now, like there's a YOTK like crew sort of thing. And like, they kind of reson really resonate with 
like that symbol sort of thing so like where did that come from and like is it weird to kind of see how those four letters have grown yeah it is it is weird to see how like big it's gotten um i mean there are kids that are i wouldn't say so much like a crew i just kind of put it all together as like representing where you're from and your state yeah. so i'll be like yotk three or two you know um and yeah, it, it is. It is pretty cool to see. Um, but I was just like, I don't know, man. I was like in my room, you know. Like, what if I just said YOTK like over and over again? <laughs> you know? It's just so. Uh, what's uh, what's the word? It, like repeating things, you know. It people will eventually remember it. Yeah. And, uh, it was more like introduction, you know, it's more like introducing your band. Like, it's like, it's your, like, it's like the armor of your band. Like, people know you by this introduction, like this intro, and that's what YATK is, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, in terms of, like, a bit later on down the line, obviously, um, first day aggression sort of EP, like, yeah. I don't know, I think it was the, like obviously I'd listen to you guys first, but the song Blue Lights was the first one where I'd kind of really picked up on what you were saying and like as I said, going back to that kind of making your lyrics like distinguishable and sort of making sure that they're clear in the enunciation sort of thing. And that song is very sort of powerful in, in what it is you're talking about. So like I don't know, like going into that EP, did you because you'd kind of had a bit of a buzz around you already, did you kind of feel that like, okay, now I need to actually show what my voice is, show what I want to talk about, so to say? Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I think it, I think it is. Um, like I always knew kind of what we we could talk about, like, and always just expose things to the world, but like. As of recently with the new album, I I have learned that there are bigger problems than just like, woe is me. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And I can say, woe is me. Like, oh, I'm constantly just exerting my problems out in the world. But like, there are more, more socially bigger problems, you know, that I could be touching on with this platform. And as of recently, like, I think, that question, you know, that question, I, I have to say, you know, in the past couple of months, I've like realized that I could make this better, you know? I don't yeah, know. yeah. And then if we do sort of like just obviously talk about the, the new record that's coming out, obviously it's a bit of a weird time for to be putting music out in the world and stuff like that. But at the, on the same scale, like I think more people have got time to sit and listen to music and, and stuff like that. So I guess straight off the bat, like what do you kind of hope people take away from this record? I hope people can find in it. You know what I mean? I hope, I think we all have a problem where we don't know how to say things, or we don't have, we don't know how to express things. And then there's somebody else that's, that says it's so much more like clear for you. Hmm. And that's what I hope like, that I could do for somebody and whether it's verbal with lyricism or it's just the aggression of the record that, you know, people can just like fucking 
deadlift, like, like go to the gym and just like let shit out, you know? <laughs> yeah. I just hope people get something positive from it. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I'd have, mm. I'd hate to just give a negative. I'd hate to tear people down like over it. That's not what. Yeah, that's not what I'm about. But. Yeah. And in terms of the the title, like on face value, like internal incarnation is it it kind of has a certain sort of like uh tone and totality to what it is but like for you what does that title mean like what were the themes that you guys were kind of drawing into this record like to to come about that title um well i pitched the i pitched the record title to him like a while ago and um internal incarceration is just basically you're just being trapped inside dude like it mm. and you're just a, you're literally a prisoner you're literally a prisoner in your mind and some of these things are stemmed from traumatic problems in life and you just you can't find a way to get them out so um you just kind of sit in there and, and suffer you know mm. uh each song is different but they kind of all wrap around the same, yeah, like the thesis of it, you know? And, yeah. And uh, first song's about karma and, and the, the consequences of your actions, you know? And mm. then, you know, virtual narcotic is obviously about just the addiction to virtual media. And Stay Away as, is about trust problems and manipulation arts about relationships, you know, romantic relationships and, Sorry, I mean I could go through all of them, you know. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's cool. Final Tears is Final Tears is probably the most. That's the fifth song, but that's like, I'd say the most positive but persevering song on it. Mm. Just about overcoming your problems and like moving on from emotions that have like destroyed your life, you know. Mm. And in terms of like the sort of like lyrics and the themes that you are touching upon as you say like as you mentioned there sort of like overcoming sort of adversity and overcoming struggles and going through all these various different emotional struggles and so on and so forth like for you like it's quite easy to maybe like put these ideas down on paper sort of thing but then to actually vocalize them like did you find that difficult or have you found that doing this in year of the knife has been like a perfect outlet to kind of get that sort of out of your system and out into the world sort of thing. Uh, no, I felt, I felt it very easy. I'm not, I'm not afraid to, to be vulnerable or honest. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel, I feel it is very important, like as a human being to, uh, to be honest with yourself. You know what I mean? Hmm. Cause you, you're not going to learn shit. You know what I mean? You're not going to be, you're not going to learn shit if you're not honest, you're not honest with yourself. Mm. And that way, you, you know, you can grow from it. And just like on, on that, cause like, I think like without giving you're the knife, any sort of stereotype whatsoever, but we've kind of mentioned that you are a heavier sort of hardcore band and obviously like, there's aggression in that music, but you yourself have said like you're not afraid to be vulnerable. And I think on this on a very surface level, like people still think of hardcore as this sort of macho man 
boys club in in some aspects so for for you to be someone that is speaking from a, a vulnerable standpoint and speaking from life experiences do you think that's important for younger people coming through the scene to see that like yeah i've got this aggression but i'm using it to educate and be vulnerable rather than be aggressive for, for being aggressive sakes yeah I, I think it is important i mean like we were talking about earlier we get into music at a pretty young age and you know when you're a teenager or whenever it is it's like you see it you see hear the music you know hmm. like you hear the instruments but you don't really hear the message sometimes but um i have i have friends that are as young as 16 years old you know what i mean like they're awesome kids you know what i mean and they they come from pretty shitty backgrounds you know and it's like if i could do anything to help them see a little bit clearer and more and not damage themselves like that's sick like that's what i live for you know what i mean mm. and i'm sorry i feel like i'm not really answering the question as much but <laughs> that's cool like then in terms of kind of um like going forward with with where you are like in terms of like i get i guess i don't want again i don't want to sort of like pigeonhole you as as an aggressive band because there's more more to you than that but like i guess from like seeing you guys live and stuff there's an, a certain intensity to to what you do and things like that so for for you again like is that just like an outlet and I don't want to say like you're being performative because I don't think that's the case whatsoever, but because you're, you're screaming with such passion and such ferocity, like that's yeah. the way it comes across. So is that just you as a person? Is that just how you come out of, of things? Yeah, most definitely all of us. It is an outlet. It's, it's, it's a positive outlet. You know, it's, it's straight, just like exertion from any negative, you know, anger or sadness, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's not, it's not a performance at all. Mm. I mean, it is, it is a performance when we play, like you feel the energy, um, you want to make an impact to move the crowd and shit like that. But like, nah, I mean, like just being yourself is, is most important for sure. Mm. And just before I kind of like start to, to round things up, like another thing that I wanted to, to talk to you about was something that you guys did literally just before like a full lockdown happened. And that was the whole sort of live stream thing with Hate Five Six. Mm -hmm. So like, how did that idea sort of come about? And like, I don't know, did you like, how did you think it was going to be executed? And was it executed how you kind of had it visioned in your head? Uh, Sonny came up with it, he came up with the idea, he pitched it to us and we were like, yeah, most definitely. And, um, we went there and it's crazy. We, we, we felt so much pressure from it than we, than we did at an actual show. Like, I don't know, okay. why, but we were fucking nervous, dude. Like all of us were just, there's like this countdown of when Sonny was launching it mm. and, um, you know, we do like the countdown. He's like, yo, this is going to hit like all this, you know, the live streaming 
what was it, like Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch. And I don't know, man. We, yeah, we were – we didn't know the impact, but it fucking, like, it hit hard. It, yeah. It, I mean, people were commenting on all the different um, – the live streaming platforms that it was on. and It did, man. And, like, I didn't think people would be talking about it after a month, but, like, and you asked the question, so it's still <laughs> – yeah. it, it made you – know I mean, like, it made – and made the, and made an impact and i it didn't turn out how i wanted it to be vocally because i mean we fucking crushed it we we played the songs like super fucking well and like mm. transitioned well but i think we had practiced so much that i fucking blew my voice and like it is what it is man so but i just kept going yeah so, and like well i guess when the you were talking about the idea and it was coming together because obviously you played new songs for the first time and like that obviously that was the first time people were hearing your new songs so was that always something that you consciously wanted to do was give this as an opportunity to to showcase what was to come in the future for year of the knife yeah yeah i i i'd hope i'd hope it it helped or something you know but mm. um I mean, we'll see if we can do it again. Yeah. And then in terms of like, because obviously, as I mentioned earlier, like under normal circumstances, when you'd be releasing a record, obviously you'd be touring it and, and so on and so forth. But currently things are still very much up in the air. But have you guys been talking about like when's looking likely that you're getting back in a practice room? Have you looked at potentially when you could be heading back out on the road. Have those conversations been had at all? Yeah. I mean, every once in a while they'll pop up, but I think it's became, it's become so uh, out of our hands, man. And, and mm. for million, for billions of people in the world, like there's just uncertainty, you know, we have no idea. Uh, and I, I think by 2021, like we'd probably be torn again, but yeah, it, uh, there's a lot of stubbornness in the world. So like, I don't know if things are getting better. Now, <laughs> um, nah, I mean, we can always get together. We can always like uh, practice and write new music and stuff. But um, I think we're all, I think we're all like a little worried because we're just like, damn, we haven't played in a while. So like, what's it going to be like when we practice again? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And is it kind of weird, like, as you say, like that, not sort of playing, and especially where you've got this now new album with all this new material. That okay, like people have heard those songs that you played on the live stream, but like I'm assuming you're itching to play the rest of the stuff, sort of thing. So, is it weird that you have all this new material that, under normal circumstances, you'd be practicing every week, sort of thing, to almost just have it on a back burner, sort of thing? Yeah, it is. It is pretty crazy to think that, like, you know, we just wrote 13 songs. Um, so we'll have a lot of material to work with. It's just when can we work with it? You know what I mean? Like how yeah, yeah. That we can we can always just like post about it and make it known in the world. Like, yo, this album exists. Get familiar with it. Sing along whenever we have a show. But yeah, it's uh it's great it's great to have this much material now because whenever we play shows again we can just make whatever track list we want you know mm. 
Cool, right. Well, Tyler, how I usually like to, to end these is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. And at the moment, it's a bit of a, a weird situation because you haven't had a chance to really play any of your new material. Mm-hmm. But what's your favourite Year of the Knife song that you'd like to play live and why? <sighs> Blue Lies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Blue Lies is just, it's like the, I think the angriest song we've written in, uh, people just like love it like there's just people just destroy each other over it it's it's fucking so <laughs> sing along and all that. yeah blue eyes for sure perfect brilliant tyler thank you very much uh, for you. your time um i've been lucky enough to hear the record and it fucking rips so i cannot wait oh, yeah. for for the rest of the world to to hear it and hopefully we'll have you in the uk a lot sooner rather than later can't, can't wait to get back there dude hope to hope to meet you you know yeah for- man Cool. Thanks for taking taking the time to do this, dude. Yeah, thanks for the questions and everything, man. Appreciate it. No worries. See you later. Have a good day. So there we have it, folks. Again, a massive thank you uh, to Tyler for taking some time out of his day to have a little chat with me. Uh, As mentioned at the top of the show, Internal Incarceration comes out on August 7th. So make sure you go check that out. Pick up a copy if you can when it drops. Um, as always, there'll be a link to Year of the Knife's social media platforms and various other destinations in the description notes of this episode. Um, and please remember, if you like this episode, please share it with your friends, share it with your family, subscribe, rate, review. Five stars would be preferable. That would be wonderful. Um, but yeah, that is it for another week. Thank you, as always, for stopping by the Justin Inside podcast, and I will see you soon. Mm-hmm.